Today, we're keeping the party moving. It's time to dive into our second installment of our ongoing series we call The Process Party. And this week, we're focusing on client consultations. We share how we set the tone, get paid, and add value for our clients. Let's go! Hi, I'm Rebecca of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers. Turned internet friends. Turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Hey, stranger. Man, Rebecca, I am telling you. It's been a hot minute. In a hot young designer's world. (laughs) It's always hot in our world. (laughs) Some, Some like it hot, you might say. Yeah, and sometimes hot isn't good. A little too much heat in the kitchen, perhaps. Sticks, <laughs> flames, fire, we're burned. Uh, it's that hot lately. Yeah, so we're here. We, look, took a minute, need to catch our breath, had a lot going on, and I think it's important for like everybody to know, we are all going to have those moments in running our business where everything comes at you at once in your personal life, in your professional life, your business, your clients. There are so many demands placed on all of us at so many different points. And for us, the answer was, okay, let's relieve some of that pressure and slow down a minute. Yeah. One of my old bosses once said, we had a really busy marketing department and he once said, you know what? Every day I go to work, and I decide who I'm going to disappoint today. <laughs> because someone, that is the realist. Some, something's going to get not um, done properly. So yeah, one task or one email or one phone call or whatever. It's just not, it's not going to get done. It'll so be there we're, the next day. We're sorry, HYDCers. You guys were the ones who we had to disappoint the last couple of weeks. But we're back. We had just reset some priorities. And I think, honestly, if you guys are listening to this and you're having those moments, it is okay. Don't let it be at the sacrifice of your like mental health and well-being to just keep pushing yourself through all these tasks. Like find something to take a hold on so you can take back yourself. Yes. So I just wrapped up my one room challenge room yesterday and it turned into a, I have been saying it's the one room shit show the last couple (laughs) weeks. It is amazing. I'm so happy with it, but it was a lot of physical and mental work. So photo shoot was yesterday and I feel like my heart and brain can go on. I think your family went through a much more aggressive ringer, ringer than my family did getting through the closeout of One Room Challenge because I ultimately, I'll, I'll talk about it after it reveals. I'm going to do some stories on Instagram where I talk about, and here's the stuff that you didn't see in a photo shoot because right. there is always something behind the scenes that wasn't touched up yet, wasn't done yet had to be faked for a photo, 
chose not to put it in a photo. And I, that's just the reality of me working through a lot of stuff with my family, my dad's health, like my business clients who still need stuff. And it's like, all right, one room challenge. There's a few extra ideas that had to give way. Mm-hmm. I'm still really pleased with where I ended up. And it's been magic sleeping in a proper adult bedroom again. Oh my God. It's so like, this was the first one room challenge that was like, definitely the magic. Like it was what we needed at the end of the one room challenge, basically like luxurious bedding, soft pillows, like a nice just place to lay down and sleep. (laughs) It was so nice. Last night I slept for like 12 hours. I don't want to forget that. That's a feeling we need to remember. And keep it in our heads because it's important when we're talking to clients that they know that we can understand where they're at when they're hitting that point of a renovation (laughs) when they're going through we we have to show them there is still a light at the end of the tunnel and bring some empathy because I think that's key to the role that we play is part of our job is like family psychologist during client projects Yeah, I call myself a designapist sometimes, <laughs> especially <laughs> when I'm working with a couple. Um, yeah, like it's an emotional, financial, and physical stress, like having work done in your house. Oh my God. Oh, don't, and by I don't the way, wanna, my, I'm not ready to jump in again. And our house was such a mess that I had to have a cleaner come in today. So you may hear the faint sound of a vacuum cleaner and that's just going to be what needs to happen to keep things sane because it's it's a lot of mess during construction yours was probably even more so involved than than mine because I was able to chunk them into phases where I could like keep up with the cleaning throughout and then you had so much motion there at the end of yours so like my um, child is feral, like my dog is now like dressed in drag most days. Like it's just like whatever <laughs> it takes to keep her happy. Like, I'm sorry, Desmond, you took one for the team. Like he had hairspray I, in his hair. Oh, uh, I know that's um a sight to behold. And <laughs> he looks I really cute and, and I'm sure I'm he, looks, he can rock some hot pink velvet, is all I have to say. I am sure he is ready for you guys to get back on a normal schedule where you can spend some time with him and he can sleep in the bed. Yep. He's, he's all curled up. He's exhausted. Okay. Um, this week, this week is a part two of our process party series. Pew, 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 pew. Today is all about all about consultations. Yes, I love a consult. I miss a proper consult. It's a little bit weird. I've I've had a few in the last um, couple weeks here where it's it's the mood is different, the energy is different. I'm trying to work on that, and how do I help still bring the like shine? part of that first in-person interaction with a potential client project that you 
you still want them to start with that and you don't want to spend the first 15 minutes complaining about COVID. Um, but it is part of everyone's like vernacular now and we're working on it. Yeah, it's, I, I think everyone's just kind of a little bit more used to it. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've got, you got your haircut done professionally this week, right? I mean, it's yes. a whole thing. It's, it's a whole like, wait in your car till you cut till we call you then you can come in because we won't have too many people in the lobby and we got to control how many people are moving around and temperature they, did you get your temperature done yeah and they couldn't they well my salon has chosen not to do uh blowouts for people because of course that blows out oh your breath particles if you do have something behind your mask and you're coughing it out or sneezing it out then the hair dryer just blows it around which for me, no big deal. I have short hair. I can style it at home. Um, but I'm like having to hold my mask on and taking the ear things off. So they, don't so they could to... like trim around my ear. And I'm like, oh, all right. So that yeah. is to say that the whole language and the way we interact and communicate with clients is, is going to have some changes. I don't have all the answers right now, but I'm just trying to still bring that level of enthusiasm and excitement to consults that I had before because they're still excited to do a project and they oh, it's a big want, deal. They want like a beautiful house and I want them to feel that energy from me and I don't want them to feel like I've been run down by the world that I'm gonna bring that energy into their house. Like no I wouldn't want to hire that. Right. And I was having a conversation earlier with someone like there's this extra layer of emoting that I feel like we have to do to get past the mask. Like, like, are my <laughs> eyes like reading smiley? Like, like I yeah. want to make sure that you can tell like what my expression <laughs> is. So it's like basically podcasting, but in person, you have like to bigger like bigger body language. Like I feel like I'm oh, like, or when I was shopping at home goods the other day, I'm like, no, it's okay. You got like I felt like I was. You're really not seeing you guys. Dance. Rebecca's doing like cheerleader hand motions. Big like. hand signals. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool. You have to be really expressive. Laugh a little bit more, where you might have just kind of like, like nod had a little... more. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so funny. So that is legit part of the part of the new process, but. Um, Today, we wanted to just like connect back for those of you who listened in, dive back to uh, episode eight, our client intake process party. And we touch on how we get up to the consult. So episode eight is a good refresher on how do we manage getting the first inquiry from client, the initial conversations, how are we getting through some of our automation uh, making it easier for clients to know what to expect. I know you guys probably heard from that, that, you know, Rebecca and I both use Acuity to pair with a couple of other apps and processes that we work with. And that is still how all of my client consultations are booked. Even if I've, if it's virtual or it's in person, they all have to go through my Acuity scheduler, whether it's on my website or links in my email. Um, and they've got to, they've got to go through there. I don't, I don't book pay. over the phone. Yeah. I don't book over the phone, even if they're like, oh, great. Uh, let's walk through the dates right now. It's like, okay, go ahead and log on to it. Log on to the link I sent you and then 
click on the dates on the calendar and you're going to have to enter the short intake form and you're going to have to pay before anything shows up on my calendar. Yeah, it does take like a lot of that back and forth out. Like I hate the awkwardly waiting for, or well that, or like at a consult, like waiting for someone to go grab their checkbook or. Oh, it's so weird at the end. No, unless like they're an existing client and I know like I'm going to go order their furniture right now and they've decided to pay the invoice like I'll wait for that check but like we already have a relationship but yeah if I've done something for them before I I mean I I'd like to follow the same process but it's again you guys based off your comfort level but I'm gonna say it's so nice to walk in and know you've already been paid for it like it just relieves the stress the anxiety and not every consult is created equal I've definitely had some where I feel like yeah, I don't know that they got the same amount of value out of this that I hoped that they would. And for it's different for everybody, but it's nice to say like, oh, I don't feel like they got the same value and now I have to ask them for the same price everyone else pays. I oh. don't want to feel guilty about that. Like my expertise is there. How we use the two hours and if you got everything out of it, it's not all up to me. It's also up to the homeowner to help make that valuable. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I said this in the last episode, like I get their address. Like if there's a gate code, I mean, I don't have to communicate with them at all until I walk <laughs> into their house. So it just takes if they, a lot If they want to do it directly, right? Versus like if they do a phone chat with you beforehand, then you might have. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I think I think I said before, like a big percentage of my consults are um, just directly booked. Sometimes I'll get a DM, like a lead through Instagram or something, and I just have an email that I send them that includes the link to my contact form, and it just sets in that um, workflow, and it's kind of up to them. Yeah, if you guys are not doing something to automate yourself. Don't feel overwhelmed yet. I know Rebecca in episode eight, you talked about using Dubsado to automate some of your things. I have since, I'm not using Dubsado, but I'm still using Acuity. And I have templated response emails that I set up in my Gmail that it's the same, essentially it's the same email that goes out to everyone who puts in a request for a phone chat before their phone chat. It's this templated email that, you know, tells them some details about what to expect, what we could cover. I don't in the first emails really spend a lot of time talking about price because I mean, people want the sexy part first during consults and yeah, they're worrying about or thinking about price, but I don't, I won't really know until I've done the consult how involved it's going to be. Um, but if it involves remodeling, I do have a link to, maybe we could put this in our show notes. It's a, it's a cost, like cost versus value in construction table. And it's from, uh, like a national, national remodeling guide. And for our listeners, if you, if this is applies, if you're in the U S I don't think that they cover data outside of the U S for it. Um, but it's helpful for our U S listeners because you can, dial it in by region so like the west coast and then go down even further into 
parts of California, major metropolitan areas. And if you're not sure, look for another metropolitan area that's similar in size and complexity to yours that you think cost of living would be close. And in my, some of my initial emails now, I'm including a link to this site because it pulls a lot of data from what homeowners actually spend on different types of projects. It's not what the contractors say was spent. It's the homeowners self-reporting the data. And I have had quite a few clients and consult appointments all say, that was really helpful. I really didn't know what would be involved or how involved it would be. And I don't, I'm not one where I like, I don't like to repeat myself during meetings. Like if I have this, if I have a consult with different people and I'm constantly saying the same things, then I feel like I should give them more information up front so I can give them focused, customized information instead of like templated information over and over again. So that cost value guide is a really cool one for people to understand oh how much does like a medium bathroom remodel cost how much does a upscale kitchen remodel cost Um, because a lot of my consults are not so much standalone a lot of them are leading into larger projects so usually we've had phone chats and we have a good idea that when i show up for that consult we're looking at the consult with the lens of me helping to generate a proposal for them later. And it's not going to cost $10,000 for a kitchen remodel. No. And y'all, everybody needs to stop. And I do actually tell during discovery calls with clients, I tell them, um, whatever you heard from HDTV is probably wrong. And I have no problem telling people that, oh yeah, like stuff gets sponsored, stuff gets paid for labor gets discounted for people involved in those shows and none of that will apply here. So. (laughs) Right. Unless you're Joanna, Chip and Joanna, and you're going to demo your own kitchen, you're going to have to pay someone to do it. Demo is expensive. It's like demo is like an annoying line item. And the dump Uh, fees and the porta potty for the guys out front, unless you want them using your bathroom, like. (laughs) Ew. It just, it's going to get messy after day one. So that's all stuff that you don't see on TV because the production company already has a lot of that covered. Right. It's part of their company. Yeah. Do you answer a lot of questions about that during consults? Like the cost of that type of work? Construction work? I don't really. I don't do a lot of construction and renovation. Um, So no. I think, yeah, most of my consults are more decor. Um, And like I said, I do a lot of just one-off consults and like that's Mm -hmm. the understanding from the beginning. And I- They want your expertise. Like I just actually had a um, woman who I did a consult with for their family, I mean, it was probably a year, year and a half ago and she just- and they were going into a kitchen renovation that they were going to semi-DIY. And um, she was kind of showing me that she had a lot of ideas and she wanted to do you know, tile and um, wood floors, but it was an open concept. And I'm like, I think we okay. should just do the wood all the way through. Um, so anyway, she just wrote me like two days ago saying that they did that and they took a lot of my suggestions and she was so like happy with just 
my perspective like really helped them even though like it ended up costing more she's like I'm so glad we did it like every day I come out and I'm so happy with the flow and so Uh, that's why we do what we do because even if it is small improvements like that changes the way people think about their homes and the way they enjoy them and it's just that's part of the magic so if they can get that from a two-hour consult that's great yes yeah so and I'm like in a ton of houses so I see like what works and what doesn't so when you're not you know doing home visits and consults like you don't really know so yeah so I I know you don't do that as much but like it's part of my business model or it was yeah been a lot less but I've been doing zoom versions where yeah people like literally just pick my brain for two hours about whatever they want and I think it's really fun I don't mind throwing out stuff like that really quick in meetings yeah but I just think I think it's good like I don't think it's for every designer not every designer would want to do this but I just think there's a big market especially like kind of a smaller city like Sacramento where people just don't have the budget to hire a designer but they can still find value from my ideas and even if they're DIYing like they're stuck on something and I can usually give them a perspective they hadn't thought of. I think that's true even here in Los Angeles where I am though, that there are a whole range of clients that I want to try to, I'm at a point where I do have that time to still be going out. And there have been consultations where they're like, yeah, we don't think we're going to be doing a big project yet, but we just need help getting there. We need, we need some direction. We need some help with that. And, you know, I let them, it's kind of this similar idea of, okay, I can give you some colors to sample and then you're just going to pick one, but I'm not going to come back unless you want to have me come back again. It's here's a place to start. These are some good go-to. Everyone always wants go-to white paint colors, which is like Mm -hmm. kind of of yawn, but also if they're helping to pay my bills and keep my doors open, cool. Like two hours. Yeah, to me, like it just keeps my days interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll do, like, I do a lot of sp- space planning with people in those meetings where it's it's always funny what people don't think of themselves. Like, I don't feel like yes. I'm really <laughs> doing any kind of... You're not, like, the rainmaker of space planning, but No, but, like, people just, you. you just get, even in our own homes, like, you just get stuck, like, you are used to thinking of a room this way. So, like, what if you turn things around, like... What if you move that light fixture and turn this open space into a dining area? I don't know. Just that stuff's all fun. So I do a lot of that. Those are the magic moments. Like, hey, don't put a table here in your entryway. You guys need a bench more for the kids to use when you... And then they're like, what? And it blows their mind. Like, <laughs> Right. Totally. <laughs> a bench? Who would have thought? And that's why you hire an expert. Like, Yeah. We see a lot of rooms and we do that. And I, if I were telling another designer, here's like leverage what you can do. If you want to be doing consults, let them, let clients into what you can accomplish with that. If they're not familiar, if it's not in your emails or on your website, do like a 
Instagram highlight where you maybe do it all live or something and then save it in a highlight where you're talking about what did you accomplish during a consult? Maybe after you finish at a consult, talk briefly about what you accomplished. I think people, a lot of potential clients who haven't worked with a designer have no idea what value they're going to gain during that. And it's not just like a meet and greet. It really is a working meeting together. Yeah, I feel like I need to do more of that because every, I mean, not every single one, but almost all of those DIY consults I do, people are like, oh my gosh, this was so helpful. And I don't think I sell it very well because yeah, people don't totally know. So what exactly are you going to help me? Like, well, I don't know. I don't know what you need. Yeah. But, um, and something else you said about using your resources. I think part of the reason why these work well for me um, is I am pretty connected in the community, especially, I've said this before, like I'm in mm-hmm. a few moms groups where moms share moms and so my name gets passed around a lot so it does help me see more families with different budgets yep since they're already sharing me anyway so and you meet people where they're at like you're not saying oh we're at a point where we're doing a twenty thousand dollar living room but here's kind of what you could get at a different price point or sometimes i am but then yeah but then it does let me spend time on those bigger furniture projects, which I have going on too. So it's like the big rocks, the little sprinkles. It's just a way to diversify the way you make money. Like while you're on big projects, you're between big payouts, but also you need a little bit coming in all the time. Exactly. And just for me, especially my personality doesn't like to do the same thing every day. So I really don't like routine. I don't like things that are the same. So the consults are always. I burn out after like 40 minutes of the same task. Yeah. Or if like, I've already done this before. AutoCAD day for me or yeah. Like a procurement days when you're having to like place all the orders and do all that. Like that's not a fun day. So I'd like to mix it up with something. Um, Do you have set days that you do consults? I don't know if we've talked about that before. I did. I mean, full disclosure, I don't know what I have right now. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> if you're going to have childcare, if Mercury's in retrograde or not. Um. Like, honestly, like this yesterday or this week of One Room Challenge Reveals has been like my graduation from quarantine. So now like this week is the week that I need to start thinking of what's going to happen next. I blocked out my schedule a lot, but, um, what was your question? Oh, social (laughs) days. You also blacked out my question. I also blacked (laughs) out. If you did, if you would prefer set days or if you did in the past. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I did. I have, I think I did like two days for consults and then I always tell people if they need special accommodations, just let me know and I'll find another time that works. I think I also had two, one or two Saturdays a month that I started playing with too, that I had available. Mine are kind of close to that. I, I do the same thing. I only do, I limit my acuity to scheduling two consults a week, um, which is helpful. And then I only let it schedule consults maybe we talked about this in episode eight, but I 
only give it availability to schedule consults between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m., which yeah. is good for me because I'm not driving in L.A. County traffic or Northern Orange County traffic during the peak hours. So depending, like if a client were really out of my zone, I would have a conversation. I have one client who had an inquiry last week. She's pretty far out of my zone. I'll probably have to add a travel charge, but I'm happy to handle that one off with that versus most others are really close to me. And I don't need to add it because it's all built into my price to be able to accommodate getting there and back. Um, so we were just talking about this off air, off pod air. Um, I have my first out of town consult this week in Truckee, which is a um, mountain lake community with a lot of vacation homes. So I'm charging some travel time. I'm not charging my full hourly rate though for travel. Right. And that, that I feel like that's a good compromise because my half of, I charge travel at half my hourly rate as part of my contract. And I comp the first 30 minutes of travel time because that's like, I got to give something like. Well, you can just bake it in, right? Like everybody else shows up like, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It's built into my price. Like my AC guy, my electrician, my, all these people, they drive around to jobs and they it's make it up on the, the job itself. Doing business. Right. Yeah. And but I know after 30 people... minutes, you're not going to have me driving all over LA County two hours, three hours a day and not getting something back. Yes. I know some people believe that your hour, your time is your time and you shouldn't shift your rate around. And I, nah. I agree that. But also, also I'm like... not using like my space planning expertise magic sitting in the car. I'll be listening to a book or a podcast. Like, exactly. It'll be, and I'm actually kind of excited to be alone in the car for three hours. TBH. Especially lately because we've had less of it. So to me, it wouldn't bother me to charge like a harsh part of my hour because my contract is built that way for clients. It's if you're going to have me commuting more than 30 minutes, it's half my normal hourly rate. It's, it's built in as part of my contract and I would accommodate the same type of behavior for a consult that was out of my range if I needed to. And that's something that you talk about. Yeah. With your contract and the proposal that we'll probably yeah. talk about next time, but that's um, another process party. It is, but that's like, yeah. Are you like, especially you, like, are you geographically undesirable? Like <laughs> it goes both ways. Like they may not want. That's part to, of the intake. Yeah. Part Part of my form asks, like, well, where are you? Because I, I might not want to be doing that. That might be just a little out of my zone. And or if you are really outside of the zone that I want to be in, it better be a really amazing project with enough budget to make sure that that's worth it to me. Um, and to them, they may not I, want to charge you I to have, be paying for it. I have told people during discovery calls... I don't think that I'm going to be a good fit for your project. And I never say it's them. I never, I really try to avoid that during, like when I get to a consult, I only want to go if I'm going to be excited about doing a project with them and giving them advice and guidance. And I can get a little bit of a feel for it when they're like, yeah, we're doing this big remodel and we want to do this. And if I'm already sharing with them that, you know, some, some of their budget numbers are really ambitious for what they want to accomplish and they sound 
less than enthusiastic about that, then I might say, you know, I feel like realistically, it doesn't make sense for me to come out to do a consult with you unless you are prepared for these new numbers. Yeah, the whole point of the consult is to get into a bigger contract, then yeah, you're screening them in those calls. You should be. Yeah. Yeah. As much I as like they're screening you. I like showing up and feeling like we're starting from a good place, that we're on a, a productive page. And then I don't know, first first couple minutes I get in there. Um I want kind of a big tour of like, give me like, I say like, can you give me the five minute tour or something like really quick? I want a fast, take me through the house. I need to see where everything lands, see how spaces relate to each other. How do you use them? And you know, I'm doing my like, ew, oh, what's that? Oh, I'm coming back to that while we're walking through. Like, <laughs> like in your head, right? You're not like in my head, in my head. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> In my head, you're I'm not, going, oh, no, this is where you live? You're not that designer going, ew, hate it. Got to <laughs> <Hate> go. <it. laughs> just, just stop. Um, but I think that's important to do kind of a general survey, even if they said, yeah, we really want to focus on the kitchen. It's like, okay, well, that's great. But Let me see I need that. to see all the rooms that line up next to it, around it. How do you get outside in this house with the food when you have people over? Like, I want... I got to understand how all of it fits together. And sometimes I tell clients, I don't think you should be focusing on this room. I think your biggest room is, you know, your biggest trouble spot is this spot. And some people don't like that, but my job, you're not paying me to just agree with you. If you're bringing me in for a consult, you're paying me to come in and give you the real, real, like, yeah, well, in a nice way. And they can take you up on it or not. Like it's still, you're not coming in with a sledgehammer. Like, yeah, they get to, they still get to decide. Yeah. I'm not making them agree to rip out cabinets while I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go we, get, you come in with your red spray yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. X on this one. Um, people <laughs> need time. Amazing. People need time to marinate. They need time to weigh options. I always like to give people that space to think. I, I just like throwing out ideas and I do tell people that I'm like, okay, indulge me right now. There's no budget right now. There's just the dreams you want and the goals you want. And I want you to tell me all your hopes and dreams for these spaces that we're looking at during consults, because it's not good to limit yourself at the beginning of something. No. It's like, well, let's see if we can get your hopes and dreams in here. Maybe we can get more than you think. And maybe it's not as much, but if I don't know, the whole laundry list of stuff you would love to have, I, I can't try to get them in for you. Um, and that's what's good about a consult is like, lay it on us. Like, tell me everything you want to accomplish. And maybe we could get like, we might not get to the stars, but I can get you to the moon. <laughs> I always um, think too, like every client has a different kind of threshold or like style, I guess, of making decisions. Some yeah. people really get overwhelmed. Like if you just throw too many ideas at them at once, they're going to like their eyes start spinning the back of their head. <laughs> but um, so like I have to like cautiously kind of like, I don't know, get them used to the idea of like, are you sure that this sofa that you've had mm -hmm. for 25 years still needs to 
be the thing that's holding this whole room up. (laughs) Yeah, like this sofa is the problem with your whole downstairs right now. Like if you didn't have this, then this could happen, then that could happen, then that could happen. Oh my God, that's how I feel about most sectionals. And everyone's Mm -hmm. like, well, we really need to work this. And I was like, okay, let's have our like come to Jesus. I really think that this is the problem in your space. It's like, we're forcing ourselves to work around one thing that's causing all the problems when we really should be fixing the one thing and it will automatically solve so many more of your issues. I personally understand the wanting a sectional, like, give me that corner spot. But I mean, it's a rare case where a sectional can move from a house to a house and work just fine. Like totally, they have to Unless be like custom. All interchangeable pieces, like my crazy thing. Yeah. If you can take components out and still have plenty of seating, great. Most of them, though, they're like it's not even that they're a whole like cube too big. It's like this one is 16 inches too long and now it's blocking a walkway. And it's like, well, there's no removable 16 inch piece. So Right. Or it's the opposite direction or that shape. Yeah, the shape is, like is not on the wrong side. Sense. Yeah, like I have a client right now that we just ordered a custom sectional and honestly like the sectional a, a sectional isn't really the best use of space for their room. But and we're kind of like pushing it on getting it in there. Yeah. But it was like worth it. Like we talked it all through. I'm like, honestly, like if you want a sectional, this is going to be like, you're going to get a little close to this cabinet next to the fireplace. <clears throat> you're not going to get a table over there, but if it's more it's a trade-off you guys they to want. have, yeah. Like you guys are going to have a cozy lounge spot that you wouldn't get with two sofas. So they want like, yeah, not everything in a the- console. Yeah, I mean, you just as long as like I think you're clear with the trade-offs, I guess. Absolutely, that's and that's design is not everything looks like a magazine or a photo shoot, and also most of the stuff in that stuff is unrealistic to how people really live in it. So, I do point that stuff out in consults. I'm like, well, here's a sofa size I recommend for you if you are going to look for a sofa, if you are going to be looking for a coffee table size, and I usually keep a a sheet. I tend to write stuff down quickly than I do. Like I don't work with an iPad at my consults, um, but I bring my graph paper and I will bring my like marker, a couple quick marker sketches and I can get a layout of the room. I bring my laser tape. I bring mm-hmm. at least one or two paint decks, my like thin paint decks. It's not every color, but I have options. I have my tape. I have my measure, uh, my laser measure. And I can generally get through some rough sketches of layouts and stuff during a consult, recommended sofa sizes. Um, I can even, sometimes I jot down like, here's a shopping list of like, okay, this room, you need one sofa, two side tables, a coffee table, a rug that is at least eight by 10, but you could fit a nine by 12. And I kind of like, it helps if there's going to be a bigger project involved, but some people just need to know, like, what belongs here? What do I do? Like, what size rug? And So do you, that brings me to, like, there's another consultation debate about do you take notes and provide them to the client, if, even if it's just, like, a one-off consult? I do. I give them the notes. I mean, what yeah, do you it's do? proprietary. Like, do you hand but... them over a piece of paper or email? Yeah, I do. I think 
That's I fine. just give it to them because I also don't I'm too lazy I don't want to write emails and then that time isn't being like paid for anymore so I just let them know I'm like if this is standalone and we're done here's the note like take the take my graph paper page take my little note page where I wrote down recommendations and I have my own page that I have notes about things I want to remember about them in case we do turn it into something else but the page I give to them is generally the graph page with a couple little action items in the corner like eight by ten rug nine by twelve rug sofa that's between you know 86 and 96 inches and I think for some people that that's what they wanted or I give them like the name of like a uh, I've worked with like a blind, like a Roman shade online place that mm. they can order from at the entry level. Like those aren't my private vendors at that point. So I don't right. mind directing them to something where I have zero liability if it comes out wrong. Like they're like, yeah, who would I order like cheap, cheap Roman shade for my daughter's bedroom? I'm like, oh yeah, check out this company. Yeah. You could get some good options and they'll mail you some samples. And that's, I'm not giving them my workroom. No, or you're like handyman or something. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I made it pretty clear in my consult sign-up. I don't take notes. <laughs> I mean, okay. I used to, in the beginning, take kind of long notes and then feel like I had this long follow-up email homework. Oh, no. And I used to kind of do it, but then I cut it out. Um, because, yeah, like... I'm already done with my consult. I don't want homework. And then it just felt like, oh, well, I should be adding value and using complete sentences. <laughs> no, because then you're not paying attention to what's happening in the conversation. If you're, I might have like 12 bullets of stuff at the end of two hours, which is really not much. And then out of those 12, it might mean that like five or actual things that I like give to them. So it's not a huge undertaking yeah I now will only like I'll draw down notes I use just my note um app usually on my phone when it's like a one-off consult and I'll jot down like we talked about a blog post that I saw that somebody did something similar to a fireplace and I'll go back and just find that link and just and I tell them I'm just gonna fire off a couple links it's not gonna be a fully formatted email no Um, but I have in my consult sign up, like, you take notes. So they all kind of know, like, they come with their pen and paper, like, yeah, they're like, got their little clipboard. Um, I have told people, I'm like, oh, you should write this down. I'm like, it's called board and batten. Like, someone wanted right. like a custom, they wanted to create the panel. And I'm like, honestly, if you don't want to have a contractor in here, you and a handyman could knock this out go on Pinterest, search board and batten panel wall. You could totally get this done with a handyman. And some people just don't have the language. Right. So they, they don't know what to search. And I'm like, oh, you're talking about this type of door or you're talking about this type of wall treatment. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that's what it was called. And I'm like, well, that's, that's valuable to people who don't, they're not they as well versed. They know what to search in Pinterest now. Yes. Like, yeah. You need Google, House, and Pinterest search terms. And that's, we know the vernacular. It's our trade lingo. And if I can help people with what to find and search on their own, I'm happy to do that. Um, or, and, or we're like on, we're staring at rooms and Instagram and, you know, you and I are constantly like sharing different ideas with each other. And so 
some of those stick is like a, like a specific scenario that yeah. um, I'll remember like, oh, I saw that on somewhere. Let me dig it up and I'll show you. It's like your exact same corner of your entryway or whatever. Yeah. Or this kitchen is laid out and has windows in the same spot as this one that I saw online. Yeah. Or Studio McGee put a secret <laughs> pantry door in her client's kitchen and it would totally work for this space. And those are, not everyone is as immersed. And so I think that's Most part of- Most people are not. Most I think that's, that's our value too, is that we like live and breathe this. And, you know, yeah, I turn it off at some point too, but um, clients are not, and they need some of this and they're happy to have our expertise to give them those ideas or put them in a direction. And I, I do not go back and forth on price anymore when people are like, oh, I didn't think it'd be that much. I'm like, well, that's what it is. Here's what we accomplished during that time. And you can get, here's my calendar. The onus is on them. I don't, I don't uh, chase anybody. I, but I'm not playing hard to get either. It's just like, I'm not gonna, they're not, no one is that awesome that I'm gonna chase them. Right. Well, I mean, you have other fish to fry. (laughs) I have, yeah. And if you're not ready and if it's too much for you, that's okay. And I, I politely tell people that all the time. I said, look, this is not for everybody. The, there are a lot of costs involved with working with the designer, going through home remodeling. And I said, my, you know, a big leverage for me is I want to be able to have you save time. I want to provide my clients peace of mind. I want them to know that I'm an advocate for them during these projects and that I'm on their side to help them navigate the world of construction and I think those are the benefits that we have to enumerate to clients or potential clients during a consult is this is what I do best. I help give you peace of mind. I give you your time back, but in exchange, you're using my time and you have my expertise to help you navigate or troubleshoot situations where normally you would only have your contractor to talk to. And not right, all and contractors gonna... are designers. <laughs> And they're going to try to just pigeonhole you into what's easiest for them and most yes. efficient and make them the most money for the most tell part. you most, most contractors are thinking what's the fastest, easiest and cheapest way to do this, which has value totally. I'm not here to shit talk on contractors that does have value because sometimes I have to say to the contractor, what is the fastest or cheapest or easiest way to <laughs> fix this problem? But yeah. when it comes to executing a design, a design solution, they'll say, well, that's going to cost more. Yep. And we're doing it that way. This is how, give us the estimate for that, the way we want to do it. Not tell me how to do it differently for cheaper or less time or whatever. It's like, no, that's not, or I'm they'll the just get the desired result. Or they'll just put your vanity outlets right underneath the light fixture in the centered in the <sighs> middle of your backsplash. Like barf. That's the Far. fastest, cheapest, and easiest. But does that make sense? No. No. You'll be pissed. We drilled into no. your beautiful tile. You'll be, you'll be, it's just not good. And so all of that stuff takes time and energy. And sometimes I share some worst case scenarios with clients during consults. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that can happen is my favorite thing. And I tell them about how, you know, like part of this is that, you know, 
you don't want your tile guy going to get, you know, four different batches of tile because they miscalculated because then they're different. They may be different dye lots and they're from different sample sizes and. Or they'll just schluter like, everything. Uh, bar, blah. Just stop with the schluter. Like, I mean, everywhere, you can do... everybody. I know it's the fastest, cheapest, and easiest, but it is also. You can do it well, but you got to think about it. Like, I have Schluter every corner of every curb. Every in the every curb, every shower, every niche, every everything. I have used. What I'll say is, I've used Schluter in projects, and if you use it right, it can really be made to look like it's not even there. But you have to plan out all of it, and it's okay to tell clients that. Like I like there's brash looter right now. I just saw one of the de- designers in One Room Challenges doing yes. it in her niche, and it looks really pretty. It can be made into a design element instead of looking like a, oh, uh, we just didn't want to take the time to miter cut the tile, or we didn't want to take or the like time order to order a, a order bullnose or finished edge, or oh, we could have probably used part of the remnant from. You know, a shower niche, and then we would have had no edges. It would have just been this really cool piece. Like, that's the stuff where worst case scenario is okay to share during a consult of kind of sell why they should want to keep you on board. Like, oh God, I never even realized that could be a possibility. Like, I I want this person to advocate for me and be on my side and to help me through this. And I like being involved with project management. Not every designer does. I have no problem doing that because for me, it's kind of fun to make it run as smoothly as possible. It's like a game. Not every designer does love that part of the process though. Some of them would prefer only to work with contractors who already have their own on staff project. Yeah. I, I don't want to lead that. I prefer, I like, I would love to be there to answer questions, but I don't want to be two steps ahead of everything. It's not my strength with, contract it's a competition for me it's my own competition you're good at it it's and not everybody likes it but for me when we're into like project management mode i'm on it like i contractors sometimes get annoyed with me because i'm like Kevin's hey, on the scene should you yeah i mean like shouldn't we be worried about this already and i like my weekly site visits to say like oh when are you gonna frame that out oh i was thinking well how is that gonna work because then this is installed before that and they're like oh i didn't even think about that yeah i gotta knock that out today and it's like that's why we do what we do is to prevent mistakes and to prevent costly change orders and um i like being involved in that I think during consults, we should be talking about what our strengths are and not all of ours are the same, but you don't have to talk about the stuff that isn't your strength. You don't have to try to downplay those. Just focus on during projects. This is what I execute really well. This is where clients always remark that they needed my help or that they're happy they had my help. And I I think that's important during a two hour consult. You don't have a lot of time to make an impression. I don't talk about price a whole lot. I try to sell them the sexy part of design and talk about mood boards and setting up material presentations. And that's the stuff that a lot of potential clients want to think about is 
you know, samples and presentations and the whole kind of luxe aspect of working with a designer. And then I do let them know, like, if from here after this, after our consult, if you're ready to move ahead with a project, then I will prepare a customized proposal of what my design fees look like, and we will talk about it. But I don't want to leave them on that let's talk about money note, because that's not going to necessarily motivate most people to buy anything. See, I don't know. I've had good success with clients that um, they're not super budget conscious from the beginning, obviously, but they they don't know how to design or come up with creative ideas. So if I can paint like a really beautiful picture and then I do like to sit down and be like, and this is more furnishing, like, right. okay, we have two rooms, like full, like living room, dining room is like what I do a lot of. Yeah. You Common spaces. Cannot, you cannot do full everything furniture for, I mean, you're like, I mean, I told him like, like I would tell them like two rooms like that, like at least you need to know $20,000 is going to be totally to get you fully furnished. And that doesn't include custom sectional and art and styling. Um, and but and just, that's even missing some accessory styling. Right. I mean, that's just like kind of like the basic, like minimum. And so if they don't freak out by that, then I'll go into a proposal and give them more. It makes sense. It's that's a lot of stuff to put out there. And so big roundabout numbers. Like I let them know, okay, we're in this meeting and I try not to zone in on a specific number, but I'll say something like, you know, other clients I've worked with with similar goals to yours have spent in a range of, you know, forty five to fifty five thousand on a kitchen like this. Or yeah you know, 35 to 40,000 on a bathroom like this that you're describing or that you're showing me in your Pinterest photos or, I mean, it's, I also don't want to get into trouble. I know, I recognize that some of you are in states where you may be more or less regulated than we are in California, but we run into some trouble spots where as designers, we can't operate in the realm of what a contractor would do. So I try very hard not to overstep into do, am I providing bids and estimates for construction? Because that can represent some legal trouble. Um, and if you didn't know that, I recommend that you each research your state and your municipality and make sure that you aren't putting yourself at risk for liability. Um, but it's okay to speak in generalities about some other projects have spent this much, usually is okay to say, or the average homeowner may spend around, as long as you're not really getting specific of, oh, taking out that load-bearing wall, that's $1,500. Because now we're really getting oh my in. God. Now we're really getting into the zone of like, well, that's like what a contractor would estimate. And then here's what I'm, something I learned when I worked in banking, uh, a little phrase that was used uh, in, in what is otherwise a pretty questionable industry nowadays is, they would always say, write it, regret it, say it, forget it. Oh my <laughs> if, God. If you put it in writing <laughs> and you hand it to someone, you are going to regret it. Because you just wrote a contract. It, it, you wrote a contract, you wrote a bid, you wrote an estimate. And truly, like, 
have a conversation. You can talk in generalities, but yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible to go back and say, oh, you specifically told me my whole kitchen project would cost $52,000 and now it's going to cost this and you're responsible or blah, blah, blah. Like it's shocking what can come up from that. So or you told Please me to take out it. this wall and it is load bearing. Like, yeah, exactly. Please oh do not like, <laughs> please I don't always put say it in like, writing. oh, never in writing, but I'm like, if this wall wasn't load bearing, then this would be If the this one that isn't I would load bearing. But we definitely <laughs> yeah. need a contractor to check. I don't know. Right. Um, we'll need an engineer or we'll need, like, we're going to need the experts. I'm not a contractor. However, right. other homes in this area have been able to do that. And it would be nice if yours could be, could be, might be like that, could be like that. You guys got to focus in on those tentative words where it's, I'm not guaranteeing you we can rip out this wall. I'm telling you, it would be nice if. <laughs> or we may need to have some sort of support header put in. Um, right. I really, one of my things on my list that's, can you hear the vacuum? Sorry. Um, for like the last three years has been to do one of those furniture um price sheets, like a general high low. Do you have one where it's like, this is how much a- Like good, sofa. better, best type of? Yeah, and have like a matrix. So like, cause when people hear the number $30,000, but then you start looking like, oh yeah, a sofa costs three to 4,000, that's normal. Oh yeah, a coffee table, like 500, that's normal. Like once you start looking at each item, you see how it adds up so quickly. Yes. And then it's easier I have, to have that. I, haven't I, have, it, a, I have a sample budget. I don't really do it for other, it, it really comes down, I feel like living rooms have the most moving pieces for most people. Because a bedroom, you could really pare down to a bed, two nightstands, two lamps, a bench, bam, we're done. It's a set arrangement kind of thing for most people. Living rooms are the ones where it gets really tricky for most people. So I do have an example budget where it shows early in that of this is a sofa and a rug and a coffee table and some side tables and various lighting elements. And it doesn't even include all the styling stuff. Estimate XYZ for this. I think that does help people, um, especially if they're in that phase of right from consult, they're not ready to go to a proposal because they still don't know what to expect. And I just let them know, I'm like, these are modest price points. You could fall higher. You could say spend lower on some, but there, there really is like, it's kind of a minimum standard. Like, I don't want to recommend you a really cheap sofa that's going to be junk in eight months with kids and dogs on it. Like, and a lot of times people don't even know what things cost. Like I've found a lot of my clients are like in their mid thirties, their kids are just out of toddlerhood and they've never really invested in furniture. Because totally. they kind of went from college to early 20s to establishing career to kids barfing everywhere. So <laughs> they don't know that if you go to Pottery Barn, you're spending 2500 3000 on a sofa. Easy. Easy. So like, yeah, I kind of feel like a Pottery Barn level like budget to just show like that's actually mm -hmm. going to add up pretty quick. And it's not the best quality. It like, does. Can get you better I, quality. You're right, for the I know that in general. Yeah, so that's one thing that I want to add to my contest. Oh my god, so fast! <laughs> it's, it's nothing. Ten grand is like, I don't know, the new five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's sort of the change, and um, 
in a future episode, we can talk about what my proposals look like. And, and I'll talk about how I've started. I, I haven't been doing this the, the whole three years I've been in business, but I've just started to move into presenting some kinds of value-based pricing models where it shows like, okay, you might not be at the level where you're going to have me do your whole living room project for you. And so if you're not in a place where you can commit to that budget, where it's, I'm doing it all for you and we're getting the whole process, then you might be better suited for a model with fewer services added in, like an e-design service, where you then acquire the pieces slowly so you're not forking over 10 grand all at one time. Um, because I still, I mean, the design itself, the expertise that it takes to create it isn't so dramatically different from one level of service to another, but it's the stuff I'm not doing and they're doing all on their own that I don't mind if they do it on their separate project time. Yeah. And that's where it's like having just lived through a renovation. That's when it's rough. I mean, I don't think people realize how many decisions go into every little space. It's painful sometimes. And that's where we leverage the experience of and this the is... value of someone else shouldering that like million text messages from the contractor or Yeah. Where are that's you? That's a selling point. That's a selling point for me is to be able to like help clients navigate all of that. And I mentioned that like I re- I'm there at like if you want me to be there when you're interviewing contractors and asking questions, yeah. awesome. I can be there for that. If you want me to review their bids and estimates, and I can't tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I have never had a contractor's scope of work or estimate match exactly what we wanted to accomplish. I have always had to say, you forgot this, you forgot this, this isn't the right level of service for this. And it's not like an I gotcha game. It's just, a, how do we compare apples to apples? If one contractor wrote one estimate one way and the other left stuff off the other, then they're not really comparable to one another. Yeah. Are there appliances included or any kind of allowances for anything? Or or they don't include the installation of the appliance, but like, okay, well then who's going to bring it in the kitchen then? Like, that's the type of stuff where I do projects. If you're working with a handyman, an electrician on getting stuff done for a client for you know, a furnishing or smaller scale project, you want to make sure that that looks right also and that all their agreements match exactly what the client thought was going to get accomplished. Um, And I think that's why they want to rely on someone who's done some of this before to help them get through that if they've never done it. Definitely. I had one more question for you that I remembered you told me, um, I think you do it for consults or maybe just pre-meeting. Okay. Um, so maybe we edit this out if it's not appropriate, but you Ooh. did, you started doing your COVID, um, how, how this is going to go videos. <laughs> yes. What do you call I do. it? It's just like a, my, like, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if I call it, but it's like a video intro about what wearing masks during meetings and that you need to do it. I need to do it. If you aren't going to wear them and I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to leave and the meeting's over. And I also wanted people to see my face, even though they can look on my website, but getting a video that I, you know, send out 
it feels more personal to be like, I'm really excited to come meet you. And they see my whole face on a video. And so, yeah, so you have, so you basically have like a one time video that you sent, like a generic video that you send to all new clients before you go into these face-to-face meetings. I think that's really good. Exactly. And that's like, it's now built in as part of my day before confirmation email is it's embedded in the email to watch the video. Hey, I put this together. This is something you need you. I want you to take a look at before we meet tomorrow. And then it just reconfirms everything that we're talking. And I think it's honestly so far, the response has been great. People are understanding. And I think it is helping people feel better because not everyone is comfortable still bringing outsiders into their homes, but to know that I'm being cognizant of the risk that it could represent and that I'm wearing my mask, they're wearing the mask. And it just puts us all in the play field of knowing well, we're safe. Yeah. And you don't have to like be the school marm, like saying like, put your mask on, please. Right. I can't stay if you don't have it. Or, and I let them know, like, if you have any, you know, friends or family that are going to be there during the consult, please make sure they have a mask. Um, most people are pretty cool. I hate it when there are kids running around during consults, but that's not because I don't like kids. That's just because I can't keep anyone's attention during oh, a consult that way. It's, it's usually, like, it's rare that that has had happen, but yeah, it is distracting because they want to interact. Like this child that's now joined our podcast. Can you say hi? Hi. Welcome to the show. Hi, Cecily. And I think that's part of the reality of like, keeping attention for our clients, making sure that we're focused on them and their home and not like their family dynamics with keeping kids occupied or holding the baby during it. Like, Yeah. I mean, it's hard to stay focused when you have a child in your room. Okay. Well, I think I'm excited to kind of get back into consults and see how they evolve because I think- Oh my gosh, yes. It's just going to be different, but um, now that I have some of my time back, I'm going to be back out there doing more in-home with proper gear. Totally. I think there is pent-up demand for sure, and I've had a lot of interest from people. They want to get good advice. They want opinions, and they're hyper-aware of the things that aren't working in their homes now that they were locked in them for a while. With all of their family members. Yeah, everyone's... So annoyed with their houses right now. <laughs> um, and we can help. Yeah, that's where we bring value. Okay, well, I am also excited to get back on the process train of our podcast and being consistent We've once again. We've got so many future process parties lined up. And if you all have questions, please, please, please submit them to us. Uh, you can find us at hotyounggesignersclub.com and um, our email is in there. You can get to us um, or slide into our DMs on Instagram because we want to make sure that we help you um, by answering specific questions you have about the process or if you know you've got pain points in yours that we can help with, get at us. We want to help you through that. It could be a what would Rebecca do? What would Sean do if we haven't lived through it yet? How would we want to handle something like that? We're happy to play that. 
totes. Well, I'm excited to be back and have this time together once again. Yes. Pew, 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 pew. Process party. (laughs) (laughs) HYDC. Thanks, Rebecca. All right. Thanks, (laughs) Sean. (laughs) See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. Never gonna write you back. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Well, I think... Mom! Um, (laughs) in a couple days... Wait, when when are we gonna do camping in backyard? Uh, A couple weeks. Well, my dad said in a couple days, because in a couple days, he has those long days off. Oh, well, okay, we'll talk about it. So in a couple days, we can do our camp in our backyard, and I'm inviting Auntie Alicia. Okay, is this something you need to talk about right now?